Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Eric Devin and Jeremy Smith. The 150th edition of this wonderful podcast is certainly cause for some celebration, but what better way to do that than have a jam-packed double week of news to get through. But before we discuss everything from Le Bleu to Liga, here are the latest headlines. Lyon came on top of the road derby on Friday night as they dispatched with Saint-Étienne in a 1-0 victory. Jason Denier's finish moves Legon into second place, despite Raphael seeing red with 20 minutes to go. On Saturday, Mbappe and Neymarless Paris Saint-Germain are still racking up the wins as they won 1-0 against Toulouse. Edinson Cavani grabbed a goal in the first 10 minutes as the champions warm up for their huge midweek clash against Liverpool. In the multiplex, Monaco finally have a win under Thierry Henry as Radamel Falcao's second half strike earned them the win at Caen, or Bordeaux ruled the correct rulings of VAR as they were held goalless at Dijon. Gangamp are five points adrift at the bottom of the table after a 2-1 loss against Ras. Majid Waris's late, late, late strike, late, late strike, um, earned a non-a-one-all draw against Angers, while Nîmes got back to winning ways with a 1-0 victory at Strasbourg. On Sunday, an Andy Delors double was not enough for Montpellier to topple Ren, who had Atom Benalfa grab his second goal for the club in their 2-0 draw. Lille are now winless in their last four games in all competitions as they lost 2-0 at the Alliance Riviera against Nice. Patrick Vieira's side have now won their last five in all competitions, keeping four consecutive clean sheets in the league. The final game of the weekend saw Marseille thank Florian Tovan for his hat-trick in their 3-1 win over Amiens. They came from behind and that moves them just two points away from second place. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week on the international front as we've just gone past the first break, well, the final break until the new year. We've got a good four months of league uh, to look forward to. So let's try and go back to how Le Bleu failed to reach the Nations League final. They were pipped to the post by the Netherlands, having lost to the Dutch in their first game. They managed to win in their friendly against Uruguay, but a draw for the Netherlands in Oh, some really surprising circumstances really against Germany has saw them into the final. Eric, focusing on that game a couple of, what, about a week ago now against the, uh, the Netherlands, did you feel like the, the French didn't really go all guns blazing into this one, thinking that, okay, a point would have got them over the line? They maybe underestimated the improvements that the Dutch have made uh, under Ronald Koeman? I think that's a fair thing to say, but I think that w- what this match came down to for me was desire. I think that the energy and the drive with which we saw the Dutch play, I mean, even even Memphis Depay, who's not exactly known for his consistency in terms of work rate uh, during his time with Ligue 1, was, was aggressive. You had uh, Dumfries and Bergwijn uh, playing with a similar verve as well. Uh, the defenders, I think, are really good. Matthias De Ligt continues to look a real, a real impressive player. And this is a match that, upon reflection, could have been a much heavier defeat. Uh, Uoris p- pulled off any number of fine saves. He was arguably the man of the match. Um, and I, I think it just may be a case of certainly maybe some players a little bit tired, a little bit more focused on what's happening for them at club the club level. But but also I think that you know there's a bit of a crisis, not a crisis here, but a bit of a question for D.D. Deschamps is how he continues to motivate this team uh, given the success that they've had uh, in their last two tournaments. And I think that that's something he needs to figure out and also uh, a plan of succession. I think that you look at players like Matuidi, Adil Rami, well, Mamadou Sako, I, I think that he needs to continue to let this team get younger 
and get better and get and take chances. And we saw how well that worked with TT at the Euros two years ago. We saw how well that worked with Lucas Hernandez and Benjamin Pavar this summer. Uh, so you have a player like a Ferlan Mendy, like, like a Tongi and Dambale, who are younger players who are being given their chance. He needs to continue to take those risks and allow younger players to come through and impress. Issa Diop, I think, is a player uh, who deserved a chance with, with, with the full setup, Emmerich Laporte as well. So I think that France have, you know, a, a lot of questions to answer at this point in time. I think that um, the Dutch deserve a lot of credit for their improvement, but how Deschamps is going to sustain success is going to be not an easy, not, he's, he's realizing it's not an easy question to answer. And I think that how he answers that um, is going to have a lot to do with how France play out in the next, in the next, in the next six to eight years. I mean, the level of young talent this team has, you could have them really go on a, a Spain-like level of, of successful performances, or they could have be a flash in the pan. So Deschamps is sort of at a crossroads is how to get that right. And he needs to, you know, take, take a tough lesson from that, from that match against the Dutch and, and work on how he can build on things going forward uh, in March for the next set of friendlies. You could argue in some cases on this one, Jess, that they had a couple of players missing, but at the same time, I seem to be other ways. And Deschamps was saying that they didn't feel like they played like champions in this one, which is a mild reflection on a, a 2018 that we'll come back to, really. But uh, at the same time, with the chance to get to the Nations League, a tournament for the first, you know, first incarnation, everyone always tries to remember the, the first winners of a tournament. Is there a tinge of disappointment that they've not got to that final stage? Or conversely, the players might be quite happy that they've got a summer off this time. Uh, I think there's an element of both. It's, it's another trophy. It's another it's a sort of chance to to get a shortcut to the uh, to the Euros, um, and it's a, a chance to sort of assert their authority and make a statement and say uh, we're world champions. We're, we're tough to beat. So there's de- there's definitely good reason to to be motivated, but at the same time. It is only the Nations League. It is still a tournament, but no one seems entirely sure how seriously to take it. And the fact is, France are world champions. And, you know, they started 2018 with, with one main objective and they achieved that. And I think it is only natural that there is going to be a little bit of a drop off in terms of motivation and um, <clears throat> probably form as well. And, you know, the, the 98 team as well talked about how it's difficult for the first few months or first year or two afterwards to, to sort of really motivate themselves. And they had some really sketchy um, results, even in qualifying for Euro 2000 before going on to, to play so well at the tournament. So th- there is a precedent for it. Um, it yeah, it was, it was a poor performance. And I don't think that the missing players are much of an excuse because you look at look at the team that, that lined up, it was a, you know, decent, well-experienced team and, and they should have done better. But um, I tend to agree with Eric that I think the big difference was that um, the Netherlands came out, came into the tournament with a hell of a lot more to prove than France. Um, and I mean, you could argue that, you know, look at how, <laughs> I was going to say how seriously England have taken the tournament. I think maybe it's one of those things that because they finished top, they, they decided that it's an important tournament if they'd finished, if they'd, you know, not not that those late goals against Croatia and got relegated, I'm sure a lot of the press would have been like, oh, it's just the Nations League. So I think, you know, at this stage of this this new sort of tournament, I guess um, any country can can sort of write their own narrative to to, to suit their needs, except maybe for Germany. Um, so, yeah, disappointment that France haven't progressed further, but Overall, when when we look back on 2018, I think you'd have to say that it's been a successful year overall. Mm, yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, hard to argue with that. And, and in fairness to the teams that have qualified, some people may say it's sort of a second strength team, but um, I'm pretty sure anyone who gets to win this tournament will be pretty happy about it. I'm pretty certain that next year when teams like Germany are in the, the second league, the people will be thinking, right, we don't want to embarrass ourselves like they have. Um, take it as seriously enough to at least avoid that scenario. Let's, it's very let's, difficult yeah. with three-team leagues. There's there's no 
there's no room for, for any kind of error. Um, you know, in a, in a normal size group, you can afford one or maybe even two bad performances. So, you know, funds had their bad performance and, and ultimately it cost them. And, you know, it was with so few matches, it was always going to go most, a lot of the groups are always going to come down to sort of head to head records as well. So again, it's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that France had a terrible sort of nation league tournament. It's just just one of those things. Yeah, I quite like that though. I think it does keep it competitive as well because if, like you say, you have one bad performance and it can knock your entire um, campaign of it. Really, I quite like that it's it's that sort of tenuous. It it makes uh, those competitive games even more important, which is exactly what it's invented for really but onto the friendly really at least anyway I know it matters a little bit less Eric but we did see a couple of players make their debut and you, you've mentioned them already really it was great to see Verlon Mendy and Tongi and Dembele play some more minutes for France because they're players that we'd like to see more involved as, as we progress they're both certainly going to be in and around the setup and both of them have been good this season and, and impressed in the games as well yeah absolutely I think that and Don Belay in particular has really come on leaps and bounds. I think he seemed to be really out of sorts at the beginning of the season. I think that there were there were rumors linking him to both Spurs and Roma. And he sort of seemed somewhat dissatisfied. And I think that uh, the Derby aside, I don't think many Leon players can take much credit from that match. Uh, I think he has really continued to adapt and grow and 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 be a, a never more dynamic player in midfield, just continuing on from where he left off last year. I think that, you know, as a Leon fan, it's frustrating just to know that, acknowledge that he is destined for a bigger, better club. But I think that, you know, we have to really look at it as Blaise Matuidi turns 32 next year. How is that left side of, of midfield going to develop for France? And I think it, it has to include Tonki and Dombele, whether it's a 4-3-3 or whether it's a 4-4-2. You know, perhaps he plays alongside Kante. You know, they seem to have a, a very good chemistry, a very good rapport. I know that Paul Pogba will be sort of an albatross over how this shakes out, but if he's, if Ndombele can have the same sort of tactical flexibility that we saw from a Tweedy over the summer, perhaps he's really putting himself forward there as, as the long term uh, solution in that role. That's frustrating again from the perspective of Corinthians Deliso having dealt with a serious injury, but I think that, you know, needs must and, and that Ndombele has really accomplished things. Now, Mendy, on the other hand, I think was, you know, and Dombele played well, but that's not a surprise. But Mendy, I think, was really fantastic. I think that, you know, of any player to have surprised and to have impressed um, in recent months for France, I, I think it was absolutely him. I think that, you know, we're fully aware of his gifts going forward and his, his ability on the ball. But I think that, he certainly took a page from the approach that Pavard and Hernandez had this summer and also played a very solid match defensively, which I think is not something we necessarily associate with him. And I think really shows that he was ready and willing to approach that match uh, with an eye towards continuing to give Deschamps something to think about going forward, which, you know, I, I know he's taking advantage of the absence of, of Hernandez and Benjamin Mendy, but uh, really made a wonderful case for himself to be a part of that France setup going forward. Uh, perhaps, you know, I, I think it's hard to to think about dropping either Benjamin Mendy or Lucas Hernandez, I admit, but, you know, should one of them struggle for playing time, struggle with injury, I think Fela Mendy is putting himself forward as a much better, much better option uh, than many would have thought. And it, and I know it sounds a little bit strange, but having a third option isn't bad, especially when the third option that they needed um, come that Netherlands game was Luca Dean, and he didn't really exactly cover himself in any kind of glory. Let's uh, let's leave it at that. I think is maybe the best way to put it. Um, Jez, again, sort of let's reflect back on 2018 for Lebler because we've only really we haven't got any games left. At least anyway, we will get some news on the on the European groups at least to uh, come. Uh, I think it's, it's December second, December second or fifth or something. So sometime in December, at least. Anyway, we'll get news on that. So we'll talk about that at least. Anyway, but heading back to 2018, really um, great campaign to get to the World Cup. Did excellent to get 
through that and 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 battle through that and win it um which is terrific and and the new blood that keeps seeming to to come out of every single crack at, at france at the moment which Deschamps is is at least slowly introducing shall we say it regardless of, of them obviously being a little tinge of disappointment at the end it's been an unbelievable year yeah and it's <clears throat> it, the, the sort of good thing and bad thing about france is as, as eric alluded to earlier there's such a there's such strength in depth certainly in certain positions anyway that people from the outside are always going to say that France should be doing better. You know, Deschamps got a lot of criticism from from various quarters for, for not winning the Euros, which I, I still think was, was very harsh. Um, so they always, they are going to come into tournaments um, as one of the favourites. But I think it's very difficult nowadays um, really to, to, to sort of highlight any individual team as as out and out favourites, however good their squads are. I mean, Germany proved that this year. Um, Spain have proved it a couple of times in, in recent times. Um, I think that, that there's so much emphasis on, on Champions League now that I, I really do think that international football sort of takes a back seat and a lot depends on how tired or fit um, your top players are by the time it gets to a, um, a World Cup or Euro summer. So, um, you know, France are always going to go into the tournament as one of the favourites, but I do think it was, for me, they, they were not one of the out-and-out favourites. And I think what Deschamps did was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone can particularly say that they were always fabulous to watch. And, you know, certainly when you look at, for example, their, their sort of possession possession percentages, they they were they were not high at all. But... He found a way to sort of galvanise a team which clearly had an amazing spirit, and not only that, but you know, played to some of their strengths to um, to ensure that the little that they had of the ball they used extremely effectively. And you know, the the, the sort of obviously they won it against Croatia, and arguably that's another example because certainly for the first half it's, it's hard to argue against Croatia being the better team. Really, the the sort of peak peak France, peak 2018 France, is probably the the semi final where you know still the Belgians are moaning now about how how they played the better football and deserved to win. But even in terms of shot count, I think France won it 19 to nine. So um, you know, yes, they they didn't have the possession, but it did not mean that they weren't an attacking team. It's just that they transitioned brilliantly, and you know, w- with players like Pogba, who I thought was a it's weird to say, but in a way, I thought he was a revelation during the World Cup because he'd been disappointing for Man United for a while and even for France for, for, for the most part. And he just, it was like he went into that tournament kind of possessed, saying, This is, you know, I'm going to grab this by the scruff of the neck. You've Griezmann, who just continued his good form in recent years. And I, I, I said a couple of times, um, during the knockout stages, I actually think his performances are massively underrated. Varane was just a class act throughout the tournament. And, you know, whether it was coincidence or whether you can attribute all of that to, to Deschamps, um, as I said, sort of building an amazing collective that worked for each other, that, you know, that it was it was a deserved victory. And um, going forward, it would be nice to see them sort of break the shackles a little bit more and, and use their attacking players. Again, I think it's easier said than done. I think... Um, Take Mbappe, for example. I do think that um, he he needs to rein in his his uh, arrogance a little bit. He's got you know slight disciplinary disciplinary problems with with Dembele, and yeah, there is the problem of who who exactly should be playing on the left. So not everything is perfect, but you know the the, the team that they've got and the talent that they've got. Um, while, again, I don't think they go into any tournament necessarily the out-and-out favourites, you know that they've got the capability to beat absolutely anyone on their day playing a defensive-based football or an attacking-based football. And I, I really think that, that, that there's the tools there, not necessarily to, to build a kind of um, you know, equivalent of Spain in terms of a sort of dynasty, but certainly they, they shouldn't go into any match or any tournament fearing anyone. 
absolutely. And how nice of Deschamps to to uh, go out of the way and, and allow us to just completely focus on on England winning the Nations League come this summer. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Back to League uh, football now. We've had a terrific weekend back and we're going to concentrate on League for oh, until March time will be really nice. It's always nice, this nice chunk of, of League football. And, and what a way to start it for Thierry Henry, at least, Eric, because he'll be delighted. He's finally, finally got off the mark really it's taken six games but Monaco managed a 1-0 win against Com this weekend which relieves some of the slight little bit of pressure on him at least anyway you want to get that first win out of the way and you want to try and motivate things with players slowly coming back as well um this is something they can start to build on isn't it yeah well <laughs> no I'm sorry uh against a Caen side missing I think three defenders they were missing Benge. Gilbert, and Genevois as well. I, I, I think that there's nothing you can really take from take from that match. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to, you know, give, I'd like to give them praise, but uh, you know, Colin are not a great team defensively at the best of times, and. Playing against a short squad that also was missing Enzo Crivelli, uh, I don't think there's anything to be to be taken from this. I think that it's you know not not a bad match. It's not it's not bad to have the points, but uh, the fact of the matter is, I think that any talk of a real revival or lessening the pressure on Henri is is a little bit premature until this team can show some modicum of consistency. Uh, I, I hate to be harsh. I, I know Henri you know, needs time to progress, but they're just, this team is not just, just not where it needs to be. I think that if, if they can, again, focus on getting some of these players back from injury, then perhaps there's an, an opportunity to really improve and start to climb up the table in a meaningful way. But, you know, if we look ahead at the weeks to come, I don't know that, you know, Montpellier at home next week, certainly not an, not an easy match. Um, and they've got Nice at home in a derby uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, things aren't going to be any easier for. They've got Leon away uh, in a match that's been moved up for the Chinese market. Uh, so it's not um, it's it's not anything that's going to be um, made easy for Monaco in the weeks to come. No, absolutely. There's still some tough games to go, and this they were just happy, Jez, that for one thing. They managed to grab a goal, which has been in short supply before the international break. And at the same time, they've also shut the door, if anything. And yes, injuries have played it to other teams, but injuries have not really helped Monaco out. But let's say not building, at least from this result. But, but what things do, do, does Henri need to s- still focus on? They've obviously had that international break to work on a few things. They, they need to work on both sides of the ball. But um, with the game ahead, that's essentially a free hit against Madrid. They're not really going to be, um, other than maybe involving final group state groupings on that one, really. They're not going to be too involved. But when they head into that one and then focus on the Montpellier things, what things do, do Monaco need to keep strengthening? Do they maybe need to, to work on another system that, that helps them shut up shop a little bit better than they have been in recent weeks? Or or do they need to maybe work on their attacking flair and be more dangerous going forward? What what sort of fix did they need to be going on now? Um. I think a lot of it is, is dependent on how many players they're, they're getting back from injury and you know, where, where those players play. Because uh, until now, I think it's, it's been a case in some weeks for Ari of just like fitting people in where, where they can. Um, I think you know, it's, it's true that a win at Camp isn't on paper very impressive, but you know, if they'd lost that, then uh, you know, things would really have looked pretty terminal for them. So it is something for them to build on. And I think, yes, they scored a goal, um, a very nice goal, even though they didn't sort of show too much in, in open play. But I think probably of more satisfaction is the clean sheet, which is the first one since um, relatively early August as well, in the nil-nil against Lille. Um, and I think that definitely is something to work on. And I thought there was, there was a very interesting quote from, from Ori. Um, 
and sort of a, a reflection of, of, of how they played where until now the, the defenders have been sort of trying to, to play the ball and, and you know pass it out of defense and it, <coughs> sorry in this match there was a lot more sort of just you know clearing it pumping it into rosette that kind of thing and yes it was against a, a car attack yes it was a car attack sean of, of crivelli which um some would say isn't necessarily um a big loss anyway but um you know the, the fact that that Ocon didn't have a, a shot on target i think until the until injury time does does say a lot about how monaco played and it does give them something to work with and and after the match Henri said you know at, at where we are at the moment style of play but i think he said style of play is important but it's for another day the important thing now is to get the results and i think maybe you know he is learning as well as as a, as a new manager and i think it's encouraging for monaco that he is able to say things like that which aren't necessarily the kind of things you'd expect him to say he's always been quite a stubborn character and i think it would have been less of a surprise to hear him say no i'm sticking to my guns we're going to play this way or you know or we'll go down this way but we're not going to change the style so um i am impressed to hear him accept that you know sometimes the best thing to do is just is just to um yeah clear it into rose ed and and you know there's a time and a place and it's encouraging for for monaco as well that that the players are able to do that and i, th- I thought just the, the the team spirit that was shown you know falcao going around and sort of hugging everyone after the match i think there are positive signs there and it's weird to say that there aren't that many positive sides in terms of the actual football being played, but it's it's good to see that something there is sort of still alive and kicking. There is something flickering, and um, yeah, it wasn't an impressive victory. It wasn't an impressive victory against a good team, and there are much much bigger challenges ahead in the very near future. But it's something to work on, and although it's not something you'd expect from um, from Thierry Henry or how you'd expect him to manage it. I think you know that a more a meaner defence, a stronger, more organised defence is the thing that I think they need to really sort of build from. Um, they have enough players up front who hopefully at some point or another can, can show a flash of brilliance. But as long as you're keeping beat sheets and keeping it tight at the back, then there's less onus on on the on the sort of front third to, to keep reducing. So I'd, I'd say, in answer to your question, that's the bit to sort of really focus on, make sure that defence remains or keeps getting as mean as possible. Yeah, they need to have their mean face on a little bit more often. It would just be funny to see an Henri team try and um, be stronger defensively. Maybe it's not um, his expertise, but he should have the men around him to, to help with that. But a, a team that's surging, really, but quietly, in all honesty, is... is Nice, uh, Eric. They've won their last four, well, won their last five in all competitions, four clean sheets in the league, which is really great news. We were mentioning earlier on in the season that they, they struggled to score consistently, really, but they weren't keeping teams out often enough. That's significantly changed in the last couple of weeks. I mean, keeping Bordeaux out, keeping Amiens out, Nîmes, they weren't necessarily the headline makers, which is maybe why it was a bit quieter than usual. But the win against Lille this weekend, uh, earlier today, re- really terrific marker for them to lay down against the side that is s- sliding a little, but has had a terrific start to the season and can be so dangerous in attack. Yet they're only three points off them now. How has Patrick Vieira turned this round after what was really a disappointing start? They've now uh, are right up in there. Yeah, if you want to take it, Jess, sorry, Eric, I think Eric's got his mic muted. Jess, they've really turned things around, haven't they? Yeah, I I mean, if if Ori is looking for any kind of inspiration, he doesn't need to look far either geographically or sort of ex-teammate-wise because, um, you know, Nisa are on that sort of five-match in all competitions, four-match in in the league, unbeaten run, um, haven't conceded during those four matches. And they, to be fair... two or three of those matches, they really did not play well at all, but they ground out the result. And um, the, the match this weekend, I think, was was um, a, a sort of marquee match for them this season. I think it was 
definitely the, the best the best match they've played against strong opposition as well who you know who, who had a decent game they were they were doing what they do well breaking quickly and really posing a challenge and you've got players like Malang Sar who really stood up and is, is really maturing into a very good player as, as we knew he would be you've got Balotelli sort of setting up goals which which um isn't always his strong point um and yeah that they seem to be flying at the moment and and it just shows that again it, it can take a while for a manager especially a relatively inexperienced one to to sort of stamp his authority and his his style on the team but it, but it can happen and um i think we we always knew that that nice maybe they're not quite the 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 strength of squad that they've had in, in recent years but you know there's a lot of, of raw talent there um raw talent is probably a phrase that could be sort of could have been invented for someone like Sam Maxima who um you know sometimes it looks a little bit too raw even though that it's obvious that there's a um, potentially great player there but gradually the air is sort of bringing the best out of them getting them to play as a team again I think it's it's forgotten that they are one of those teams who sort of seem to have a, a relatively big shake up um, most summers. So it is going to take a while as well for um, for them all to bed in. But yeah, they're you know, they're arguably the full team um, if you discount PSG. Obviously, the full team of, of league out right now, and they're I think only four points off second place, only a couple of of third all of a sudden. So um, yeah, right back in there, and and it's good to see that um, you know Vieira was ridiculously unfairly being questioned not that long into the season, but he's been given the time, and he really is moulding a, a, a talented squad together. Eric, I feel a little bit sorry for Nice because I'm sure if Patrick Vieri sees me in, in public, he might give me an overhand chop after calling them boring about a month or two ago. But that's clearly changed in a way because they are doing something different at least they they definitely got stingier they've definitely almost molded themselves maybe in the, in his image a little bit more but what has changed for the club recently that, that's forced this change in in attitude after being well pretty dire really for the first eight weeks of the season well i think that i was one of the ones to, to criticize Vera, and I, i'm i'm happy to put my foot in my mouth on this one i think that earlier in the season he was chopping and changing uh, tactically personnel wise uh, he was playing Yohan Cardinal. I know he's a favorite of yours, Nathan, but I think that ship has sailed. I think that we can agree that Walter Benitez is, has been one of the finest keepers in the game this season. I think that giving him the, the number one shirt has, has made a huge influence. He's definitely kept Nice, uh, you know, as anemic as they've sometimes been in attack in matches with his, with his ability to save. Uh, but that switch to consistent back three and making that back three consistent. Christophe Jalle has played there as, in a handful of matches, one or two maybe, but uh, Malangsar, Donch, and Christophe Arel. You know, Donch is a bit, a bit older now, but playing uh, alongside Arel and Saar, that makes him less of a liability. Uh, and allowing Yusef Atal to have more of an influence in attack. And this player has been a revelation for Lille this season, and his, his ability to influence attack, uh, pace, ability to cross, ability to cut inside, has really, really been impressive. And I think that, that, that Vieira has perhaps just need a little more time than we had previously thought to get a grip on his players' abilities. I think that uh, also dropping Danilo, who's really been a disappointment for me. I, I, I had uh, higher hopes for him. Uh, and, and seeing with the midfield three of Cyprien, uh, who seems to be getting back to his best uh, post-injury, uh, Pierre-Lise Malou is fit again, and Adrian Temez uh, really seem to have a good understanding amongst themselves. Temez is slightly more prosaic than the other two, but I think we know that the gifts that Cyprian and, and Lise Malou can have on their best day. So it's it's creating a level of consistency in terms of personnel, in terms of system, and in terms of understanding players. I, I think that, uh, you know, Vera probably just didn't have a level of familiarity with these players to bring the best out of them tactically, uh, not only for not perhaps paying as, that much attention to the French League, but also for the fact that uh, seeing them in practice, he's perhaps seen them... Uh, in a diminished state, if you will, as Cyprian, for particular, for example, gets back and back to his best. So, I think that you know, given the slip-ups we've seen this weekend from likes of likes of Lille and the likes of Montpellier, I think that we're going to continue to have a very open race for 
the top six and perhaps even the top three this season. I'm not saying these have the capability to do that, but uh, the fact that they aren't are unencumbered by your Euro- by European play, uh, and the fact that you know there does seem to be some amount of depth. We look at the, the likes of Remy Valter, um, John Victor McKengo as being options in midfield, Racine Coley, uh, uh, Olivier Bascali. There are other options for Nice. I, you know, as I think we want to see a little bit more in terms of attacking options. I think St. Maxim and Balotelli on current form and um, Malita aren't going to be enough to keep allow Nice to keep keep things on pace. Um, perhaps adding another striker, uh, maybe even letting Balotelli go in the winter might make the most sense. But I think that yeah, they are after a. a pretty rough start he looked pretty clueless uh, about a month into the season he's come to grips with how to get the best out of these players and it's been frankly really impressive um the credit to nice's scouting team too i think that you know the likes of uh, temez uh, cyprian lise malou uh, atal these are players that are brought in at a, you know lose malou aside relatively young ages um and are being allowed a chance to perhaps shine in, in the top flight in the case of someone like Tamez or Cyprian, um, but also to be given a key role uh, within the within the side. So um, there's been a, a very good level of scouting acumen on display at Nice. And going back to the success of Lucien Favre as well, and it's been really nice to see that uh, that continue to come to fruition. We know that you know needs must in terms of finances in Liga, and um, to allow to have Nice looking like they're potentially going to be able to sustain some of the success under Vieira uh, is really nice to see. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you on your assessment of Tala. I've really enjoyed him the last couple of weeks. He grabbed that goal just before the international break as well. And uh, almost grabbed a second in the same game. He's, uh, I do like a, an adventurous wing back at least anyway, but great credit to Nisu who've come back quite a bit. And it's been a great weekend, really. There's a couple of other games we could go through, but one we want to go through before looking ahead to the Champions League in midweek. And how could we miss it out, really, Eric? It's the Rome derby that we saw on Friday night. It wasn't quite the classic that we've had in the last couple of years and maybe not the, the ones with, with as as much controversy, although there was plenty of uh, little moments at least. But uh, more importantly, Leon grabbed, it, uh, grabbed the win through Jason Denea's goal, um, but an awful tackle from Rafael as well that definitely deserves a red card. But uh, again, this was another Leon performance, you may say, that they, again, looked like they were well, they looked second best at times, but they grabbed the win that they needed um, ahead of an interesting Champions League game that we'll come on to. But uh, a win is the most important thing in these kind of games. And even though it was pretty tempestuous, that's all that Leon will be bothered about. Uh, boy, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't think... <laughs> I, I think that that's nice to think. Yeah, Leon are in second, but frankly, do they deserve that placement in the table at this point in time? No, it's just that there's been no other team uh, being as effectively consistent this season. Leon have more attacking options than just about anybody else in the league, say, say perhaps PSG and Marseille, and they're the beneficiary of that. And that's that's what that's a, that's a product of. It's not, a, it's not the product of any you know invention, pardon me, or brilliance on Bruno Genesi's part, and it's been frustrating to watch. I think that, for example, on Friday evening, uh, he totally butchered the tactics. I think that we were talking earlier about Tonki and Dombele. Uh, he and Awar, I think, were both very poor. They seem to have a uh, little conception of how to relate to each other, playing as a two-man midfield and uh, what was effectively a 3-4-1-2. Uh, and I think their ability to influence the, influence the match in an attacking sense was really stunted. Uh, they really thrive with space in front of them into which to run, but having uh, Fekir there uh, in front of them and, and Memphis also dropping a little bit deep at times uh, really didn't allow Leon to get space and to play wide and, and to make width of those fullbacks, um, wingbacks, as, or as it were, uh, Rafael Mendy. And it was you know, really frustrating to see. Uh, I think that Genesio, to his credit, uh, did recognize the need for width and bring on Maxwell Cornet. We know he's a very pacey player. He's able to really stretch play. And I think uh, he really... Uh, turned the match, made made Leon get the best of the pitch, get the best of uh, an expansive system, and, and play well. But again, uh, you know, Saint-Étienne, you know, some good saves from Lopez. I, I think also kept them in the match. There was a header from Dioni, which he tipped over, and another one too. But I, I think that on the whole, uh, 
it was a very frustrating uh, match from a Leon perspective because, you know, Saint Etienne aren't a juggernaut. They're not a team at the races, and it's simply not, I, I think, of of a tactical standard um, that's required for a club with these aims. And it, it was really frustrating to see. I'm happy for the three points, but uh, probably undeserved as is their place in the table, uh, given how many uh, tactical issues. Uh, Leon seemed to be struggling with. And the other thing, too, is that Rafael is certainly face, facing a ban here after that tackle, more than one, just one match. Uh, Leo Dubois was was absent, so that leaves uh, a bit of a conundrum for Genesio uh, going forward to how to balance uh, what he's going to get uh, out of his right backs. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's at least a three-gamer, really. That one that was a, not, a, not a clever challenge at all. That was a... Um, uh, can we call it the the sort of uh, frustration maybe out of the game because it wasn't the best of games really unfortunately despite the uh, the importance of it to both teams at least anyway in terms of rivalry but um, maybe not the best of football at least anyway um, um jess we'll, we'll switch our focus a little bit staying with leon though to the champions league game coming up because they play manchester city in uh, midweek who've uh, had a nice weekend themselves at least anyway and they know that um they're now top of the group and, and a win against leon a little bit of revenge as well will get them automatically qualified for the champions league as as top of the group but at the same time leon after a couple of draws against hoffenheim where you felt like oh, one win would sort of push them over the top they've now maybe depending on the other result got to think about getting something at least a little bit from this game they're still in a bit of a driving seat but how do you approach this one if you're Genesio do you think that it's better to try and hold off against Manchester City or is it worth them trying the same tactics they did last time of, of going at them and, and showing their own qualities it's a tough balancing act when Manchester City on on any given day could, could tear you apart regardless of which option you choose yeah I, I think in this case they should go down fighting um as far as I know if teams are level on points then I think it goes down to the head-to-head rather than general goal difference. Um, if that's the case, then they're sort of ahead of Hoffenheim, um, just on, on uh, the way goals scored. Um, so, it, it, again, if that's the case, it sort of doesn't matter if they really crash and burn. So, on the basis that I don't think that defence is their strong point, um, I think that they should go for it. I don't think they should show any fear. Um, they have proved that they can beat Man City. Um, the fact that they're playing at home should, in theory, um, help them a little bit more. Um, you know, there's certainly going to be a, a good crowd and hopefully a good atmosphere behind them. And the bottom line is that, you know, despite despite the, the result in the first match, I don't um, I don't really think anyone is expecting Leon to get anything from this. So. I'd like them to, to at least try to show a little bit of panache and you know, if they get something out of it, fantastic. If not, then, then they have the, they have one more, one more chance to, to qualify. Um, but you know, they, they really should be kicking themselves because they, you know, they threw away such good chances, um, against Hoffenheim in both matches, particularly the second one. And then um, I know that it shouldn't, although I'd say they're probably just still favorites to get that second place. Um, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be coming down to this. Um, this this match should really have been a completely free pass, and it's not. It's not exactly that anymore. It would. You know, it would still help help Leon a hell of a lot to get something from this match. Whereas beforehand, you could have. You know, they should be in a position where they could almost throw this match and still be favourites to get through. Yeah, it's a funny one because you, Eric, you start doing the mental math, even if Leon do lose, if if Hoffenheim do end up winning then it's it puts them in a difficult spot um because at the same time you can't guarantee that next week with manchester city already qualified as top group leaders in that scenario that they won't necessarily play second string side that hoffenheim may be able to beat and and push out anything in terms of because leon aren't guaranteed to beat Shakhtar, for example, because they only drew last time they played them as well. So it, it, you start throwing up all the different scenarios and at the same time, if, if Hoffenheim only end up drawing again with Shakhtar, it puts them in a great position heading into that last week, regardless of the result in this one, really. It, it's, it's all reliant on here, there and everywhere, but at the same time, a point
point would be massive, wouldn't it? Right. I, I, but can we really expect that? I think that Genesio seems wedded to the idea of playing the back three. I think that Kenny Tete makes the best sense as part of that three, even though Marcel did play pretty well. Is there really, you know, another command performance from from Leon to be had against City? Uh, I think that's that's certainly a tough ask. Uh, going for it, I think, as Jez says, makes the most sense, but at, at what risk? Um, I, I think that that's that's the issue. But shutting up shop, I think you couldn't. You're not going to really expect to ask for something. I think that there is a potential that th- there could be more joy to be had in playing a more vertically or a counter-attacking side, uh, starting Cornet, uh, starting Awar, uh, and trying to stretch play. But, you know, whether Genesio has the vision to do that or not is another question. I, I don't know. I, I My thoughts on Genesio are, are very much uh, like a pendulum. Uh, I'm happy with what he gets out of limited resources. Uh, one moment, uh, frustrated with not making seemingly obvious decisions the next. And I, I think that, you know, he perhaps wrote his luck this weekend and perhaps that luck is due to run out. So that puts the emphasis on, again, a very, very important match uh, against Shakhtar uh, in two weeks' time, which I, I look forward to with no small degree of trepidation. And uh, one match we're certainly looking forward to this week is the big one really of this, this Champions League round for many people. It's the one on Wednesday night in Paris as PSG take on Liverpool. They, they uh, is concerns still that they might be Neymarless and, and Mbappé-less again in this one. Jez, but they've tried everything to try and get them fit at least anyway because they, uh, they need at least one of them you would think to try and help with this game that's come down as a cruncher now that Paris Saint-Germain are currently Third, with Liverpool above them, a point ahead, with Napoli heading to face Red Star, who are also still involved, but um, and don't count them out yet, really, is the best way to say it. But at the same time, for PSG, this is the big one, because if they lose this one, they really, really run the risk of, of running out, unless something surprising happens in between the Italian team and the, the Serbian team. Yeah. All the chips are, are down on this one. They have to go at home and win this one, don't they? Yeah, sorry. I suppose again, trouble if we say anything about the likelihood of things happening between Italian and Serbian teams. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, it, PSG in a way should count themselves lucky that they're in in this position because, for the most part, in this um, in this sort of league campaign, if you want to call it that. They've been diabolical and the, their position, you know, only a point behind the, the two leaders flatters them. Um, I, I would argue that the first half against Napoli in the, in the last match was actually the only decent half they've had um, so far in the Champions League this season. And, you know, to only go down by one late goal at Liverpool, to, to get two draws against Napoli, um, and for you know, the, the, the bonus of Liverpool losing at, at Red Star, that actually puts them in a very good position that you could argue they barely deserve. So you you know you'd, you'd sort of hope that they're going to grab that second, third, fourth chance that they've been given with both hands. And we know that PSG on their day do have an extremely good team, and if they all decide to turn up and play as a team they are capable of beating everyone. We also know even that in the midst of being outplayed, they have enough players on their team that can come up with um, you know, a flash of brilliance to, to save them, like, like um, I guess, Mbappe almost did against Liverpool, like uh, Di Maria did against against Napoli. Um, so, no, it's absolutely not um, a sort of term, terminal for PSG. And... At home against Liverpool, you, you should be making them favourites. But I think it all comes down to the, the, the usual things. How much will they suffer because they don't have a, a defensive midfielder, especially against Liverpool's front front three? How much will they suffer because they, they've still only really got... Uh, second rate's a bit harsh, but certainly not a world-class left-back. 
Um, that be and that being said, you'd expect Liverpool to score at least one. So you know, can PSG um, put enough together to 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 make sure that 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 they outscore them? I think Mbappe probably will play. Neymar seems a little bit less clear. Um, I'm not sure that it would be necessarily to PSG's disadvantage anyway if only one of those two is playing because I think it brings Cavani into the game more. Um, so certainly I think PSG had the capability to win it. But the, for me, the most shocking thing for a lot of this campaign so far hasn't been... Um, so, I mean, it's not shocking that they're that they're lacking a defensive midfielder or anything like that. But there's been matches where they just haven't looked like they've cared, and that's that's the shocking thing in the Champions League. Um, but I've always said that, that for me, in a way, this is kind of a a, a transition year, and I think it would be a, a, a surprise if they did go far in the, in the tournament this year. But the least you'd expect is that, that they play with a little bit of heart, and we often haven't seen that. Um, you know, with the like I said, with the sort of third, fourth chance that they're on, um, the fact that you know, they could even aspire to, to be winning the group, um, but certainly qualifying from it at home, Champions League night against uh, um, you know one of the one of the sort of traditionally historically great Champions League or European Cup teams. There's no reason why they shouldn't be going all out and you know really playing with heart and and going for this win. But as usual with PSG. It could quite easily happen, and they could put on a brilliant performance. But you could, it also would be surprised if they totally crashed and burned and looked like they couldn't care less. And I mean, as as a neutral, I guess it's kind of exciting to see as someone who's a big defender of Liga. Um, it you know it really hurts sometimes to see the team that are running away with the league, um, looking so poor on the continental stage. And the most frustrating thing about it is that. It's not because they're not a good team and, you know, this proves that Liga has a load of rubbish. It's because there's some massive mental flaws, I think, all the way through the, that organisation that still need to be sorted out. And that's the interesting point uh, that Jez makes, Eric, that uh, the worries about Neymar and Mbappe's fitness with the Frenchman more likely than the Brazilian, at least. It, it may be a blessing in disguise for one of them maybe to play with, especially in this game. In the reverse fixture, you could argue that because of Mbappe and Neymar, there's a lot more stress on the fullbacks, especially with Liverpool's attacking duo doing so much work as well and them being a little bit more limited, shall we say, defensively at least. Anyway, it put a lot of pressure on them. Um, so in, in actual fact, maybe Paris Saint-Germain in these competitive bigger games better with maybe uh, uh, with maybe one of them missing should have, uh, or if both of them were fit, maybe an Edison Cavani coming out to, to help out, sort of give an extra midfielder in there potentially. It, is that the balancing act they still need to get right? And with an injury like this, maybe it is something that, that forces them into something that might show how they can compete at a Champions League level. Well, I mean, they their farthest progress in the Champions League was achieved without either of them. So that is something to, to consider. Um, I think it's hard to say. I think that if you have, say, a front three of uh, Cavani, Di Maria, and uh, one of Diaby or Draxler, whether Draxler plays as a midfielder or not, I think it remains to be seen. But I think tactically, uh, with Tuchel playing a three-four-one-two, I, I, I don't think they are because I think that Tuchel's uh, proclivity for playing three at the back allows them a little bit greater freedom in that role and the frustration they've had, I think bearing that in mind is perhaps more down to, pardon me, how poor Juan Bernat's been uh, at way too many points this season. Um, I think that, you know, again, I've said it before this season, they're missing Levin Kurzawa, which is a pretty big indictment of a team having spent that much money. I mean, Kurzawa has been, uh, you know, a fitful presence when fit. Uh, he's certainly not very much uh, on, on the defensive side. So I think that you know, PSG, if they do get eliminated, perhaps this will be the kick that they need the, 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 to uh, really take a holistic look at that transfer policy and, and things for things to change, for them to build the team. 
But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that unless Tuchel wants to play a four three three, I don't think that this team is better without Mbappe and Neymar. I think that's um, that's wishful thinking uh, vis-a-vis their work rates uh, versus what they can do uh, with the ball at their feet. Absolutely, and it's it's going to be a bomb burner, isn't it? It has a chance to be with with the attacking talent on play, depending on even even if they are missing them, both of Mbappe and Neymar, there's still plenty on that pitch, and it's going to be an entertaining one. I'm sure a lot of league and fans will be looking at the, the calendar and the coefficient as well with uh, Monaco, who we might as well not mention. And uh, I mean, we would have probably touched on the Europa League, but we've got Marseille out. Bordeaux out, both very disappointing. Rennes need results to go their way and also two victories in a row to to even try and get there. And they, they might not even have the chance should the other two, Astana and, and Zenit, draw against each other in the next game. They, they might not even have a chance in that one. So we'll shift those to one side, at least anyway, for tonight. But uh, we'll finish with my favourite part, and that's uh, our Liga and Snapshots. And I'll start with yourself this week. Eric, what's your Liga Snapshot? Yeah, I just think that uh, Neem won again. I think it's no coincidence uh, with Teji Savanier uh, driving the engine for that for that midfield. I think that he is a fantastic player, and that, that for all that league uh, for all that they're that Neem were being big up in League Two with down to the play of Alui and and Bosak and what we've seen from Sada Thube this season. Uh, I think that that Savanier makes that team tick, as we can we have seen by how poor their record was in his absence after. That dust up with Mbappe, and I think that you know, if there are teams um, looking for a, a really a do-it-all midfielder, um, you know, perhaps he's he's a player who I believe can do a lot better than Neem. No offense, I like watching them play when they're they're at their best. Thinking about that that match against PSG in particular earlier this season, uh, they've been a great addition to Liga. But I think that you know he's the t- his all action type of play, ability to spray passes wide to. To get a goal, I mean, he's almost. I hate to say he reminds me of, of Steven Gerrard, but I think that there there might be a, a, a league on version of that. I mean, given given the influence upon, that he's had on matches uh, so far this season, he's really really impressive. And he was added again uh, with an assist in the win over a Strasbourg side who've been very very strong this season. So uh, well done to Savanier, well done to me for for climbing back up the table. Uh, that. Uh, front foot forward style of football has been a really positive addition to the, the league and I think a lot of that uh, was not necessarily to the flair players but uh, to Savanier being that engine in midfield Jez, what's your snapshot? Uh, mine is the sort of middle incident of karma that, that happened during the, the match tonight um, in the end of it, it had no effect on the result and it had no effect on even um, Torvad but um, Tovan was on, on a hat-trick, um, his second goal was a fantastic free kick that, by the way, was absolutely never in a million years of free kick, so um, they can really do well done by, by, by that. But then about a minute later, they won a penalty, and despite him being on a hat-trick, um, Payet insisted on taking it, and um, I have to admit, I did quite enjoy that he didn't score the penalty. And um, Gertner, who I think is a, a lot of, sort of neutrals, um, favourites as a goalkeeper um, pulled up for a good save on his feet. Um, you know, it didn't affect the result. Marseille won anyway until they got his hat trick later on. In any case, but um, that did raise a smile for me. Yeah, at least it, at least it was it was poor, but at least it wasn't the uh, the Diego disobeying manager's orders when Steve McLaren was in charge of Wolfsburg. At least it's not quite that extreme of a defence, but it's nice to see some karma. I, I just wanted to highlight uh, Rans, who we've, we've mentioned a couple of times um, recently. Uh, they've been pretty stingy defensively, but three wins out of four in the league, despite um, a 2-0 defeat before the international break. They're in eighth at the moment, and yes, they beat Gengong this week, but weeks before Monaco and, and Ren, you would have said that at the start of the season, and they've been on a terrific one that means they face Marseille next weekend and that's not going to be the easiest of games and given that they've got so many results early on that's what you want to be doing as a newly promoted side get some distance away from the the drop zone and the fact they've already on 20 points gives them such a a great springboard for the rest of the season should they not sort of tank things at least anyway but uh, a great start to the season great first third almost half now of the, of the season we've got too long left about five games till the, the midway point and if they can get a couple more results I fancy them staying up with them already having a 10 point gap between them 
and the automatic spot, at least, anyway, that Monaco currently occupy. Uh, that's all that we have for this can week. I, can I just oh, make okay. a quick mention that you mentioned that we're sort of approaching the halfway point of the season? Um, as of this weekend, PSG are already autumn champions and are already safe from relegation. So I think that's that's a religion that <laughs> Uh, don't tell everyone that one or they may never watch Liga again but yes that's a, the PSG spectacular year so far but um, let's maybe ignore that they're already safe this season now. that would have kicked in the Mbappe clause last season at least anyway but never mind. <laughs> that's all that we have for this week my thanks to Eric Jez and all of you listening at home uh, do join us for the preview show we'll be back again on Thursday um, but for the main show we'll be back at the same time same place next week a bientôt and goodbye